everyone, and welcome to the Live Through Jesus podcast with Courtney Gilmore. On this episode, we're going to be talking about the fourth commandment, work, rest, and God's plan from the beginning, Exodus 20 and Deuteronomy 5. I'll be reading all the scriptures from the ESV version. Quickly before we get started, if you're new to Live Through Jesus, make sure you go to livethroughjesus.com and sign up to receive your free five-week Bible study over Abraham. There you'll also find blog posts that coincide with the teachings on this podcast and social media links, which is another way to keep in touch throughout the week. Okay, let's get started. Do you feel like you have a good balance between work and rest? Or are you one of those people that just can't sit still? You always need to be doing something. You're working nonstop unless you're asleep. Or on the flip side, are you one of those people that it's hard to get motivated? It's hard to make yourself do anything. You do kind of the bare minimum and that's it. Or you're good to go to work, but then once you get home, pretty much done, want to lay around watch TV, read a book, do nothing. Or maybe you want to play. It's hard to make yourself work instead of play. The whole work-rest balance is difficult, especially when there seems to always be so much work for us to do. But God had a plan for work and rest from the beginning, and that's what the Sabbath day is all about. The fourth commandment says that we are supposed to rest on the Sabbath. And so that's what we're going to be talking about today. Now, I want to warn you before you turn it off that at the beginning, we're going to go through the laws for the Israelites. But at the end, we're going to see how this pertains to us. And I hope you'll stick with me to the end because this is actually a really refreshing commandment that God has given for us. It's for our benefit that he told us not to work because he knows we need rest. We cannot go and go and go all of the time. We need to rest, but we also do need to work. We can't sit around and do nothing all the time. And so God has a plan for that. And we're going to talk about it all throughout, but really, really focus on it on the end. So make sure you stick with me to the end so you can see how this pertains to you. I'm going to go ahead and just begin reading the fourth commandment. And it's found in Exodus 20 and in Deuteronomy 5. I'm going to read from Deuteronomy 5, 12 through 15. And it says, observe the Sabbath day to keep it holy as the Lord your God commanded. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter or your male servant or your female servant or your ox or your donkey or any of your livestock or the sojourner who is within your gates, that your male servant and your female servant may rest as well as you. You shall remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt and the Lord your God brought you out from there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord your God commanded you to keep the Sabbath day. So God says that he wants us to work for six days and he wants us to rest for one. That is the way our week is supposed to be set up. Six days of work, 
one day of rest. Now, most of us have a work week that consists of five days. But that doesn't mean that we have to just lay around on Saturday. Usually we have things around the house that we need to get done and work that needs to be done around the house. And then the seventh day, we're supposed to rest. That's how God has structured our week. So that's the first part of this commandment. And then he says, on it, you shall not do any work. And then he names all the people that can't work, even your animals. And he says, one reason for this is because he knows that we need rest. And we'll talk about that uh, throughout. But he says, the reason that I say that your servants also need to rest is remember when you were in Egypt, you were slaves and your masters gave you no time to rest. And that's not what kind of master you're going to be. If you have people working for you, you have to give them a day of rest just as you get a day of rest. I want everyone to have a time to rest before they start their week. And so that's the first reason that he gives. Now, It says the exact same stuff in Exodus 20, except for in 2011, it gives another reason that we're supposed to rest. It says, for six days, the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that was in them. And he rested on the seventh day. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. So the second reason that we're not, or the primary reason actually, that we're not supposed to rest is because God worked for six days and rested for one, and he established that for us when he did that. He was saying, this is how I want your week to be structured. I want you to work for six days, and then I want you to rest for one. And that's why he did it, because God didn't need the rest, right? He did it to show us what it is that he wanted for us to do. And so he says, since I did this, you will do this. Now, before we move on, I just want to get this little bit of science out of the way. There are some people in order to make the millions of years theory work that science says because of carbon dating and all of these things that they've come up with, they think that the world is millions of years old. And in order to make that line up with the Bible, a lot of people say that, well, a day probably wasn't the same amount of time back then. Maybe it was a little bit different. Well, this seems to pretty much say, no, a day was a day because God said, I worked for six days and I rested for seven and I want you to work for six days and rest on the seventh. And so if it wasn't a day and it was just some undetermined amount of time that we're not exactly sure how long that was, then we're just supposed to work for some undetermined amount of time and then rest for an undetermined amount of time. That wouldn't make any sense. And if it was a specific amount of time that was a year or several years, then God would be saying, you know, I want you to work for six years and then get one year of rest. And we know that's not the case. He was structuring our week whenever he made the week, the creation week. And so we know that a day from the very beginning was as long as a day is now. So we know that that can't be the case, that the day was an undetermined amount of time because of of this situation. So that's just a little bit of a side note. Now, before we get into all the details, let's talk about what the word Sabbath means. Its literal meaning is intermission. 
And it comes from a word that means to cease. And so God is saying, I want you to work for six days and then cease working. I want you to have a little intermission before you have to go back to work and start this whole process over again. We need a break from continuous work. And God knew this from the beginning. He knew that we would not be able to work nonstop and that we needed a little bit of structure. We needed somebody to say, this is a a good amount of time for you to work. And then you need to rest because if you don't, you're not going to be refreshed for your week. Not going to be able to, to function if you're continuously working. You're going to get burnt out. Your body's going to get tired. Your brain's going to get tired and you're not going to be as effective. And so God set this up from the very beginning that we would have an intermission, a time where we would cease from our work, a little intermission from our continuous work. And so he made this last day, this rest day, holy. And holy just means set apart from the rest of the day. So he set that day apart from all the rest of the days by saying all the rest of the days you work, but this day you do not. This is set apart wholly to the Lord. This was created so that he could make this day a blessing to us. And the specific word for blessing doesn't just mean something beneficial or good. That's kind of what we think. We think, oh, a blessing is just something good, something we like. But there's a little bit more to it. It comes from the word that means to kneel like you would if you were adoring, uh, you know, in adoration or in salute. And so by blessing this day, God is giving us a picture of rest, of kneeling, of stopping and pausing. And also this kneeling would give us the picture of worship, adoration, dedication, honor. Okay, so you salute someone you honor. So what this word comes from tells us what we're supposed to be doing this day. Resting, worshiping, honoring, dedicating this day to God. We'll talk a little bit further about that in a little bit. Now, I do want to talk about work just for a minute because some people feel like work is a curse. Some of us love it. Some people are excited to work and that's why we can't get them to stop. Some people can't stop because they feel like they have to make the money to live in this world, which is a valid reason, obviously. But some of us hate it. We do it, but we hate it. And we feel like this is just a curse and something that, you know, maybe we wouldn't have always had to do. But when Adam sinned, It says, I'm going to make your work hard. There will be thorns and thistles when you till the ground and the ground will be hard and you'll have to work by the sweat of your brow. And so we might be thinking, well, so work was a curse, but it wasn't. The curse was that it was going to be more difficult to work. Work wasn't going to be only a pleasure. Work was instituted from the very beginning. One, we know this because God worked for six days and then rested. So he set that up before anything else. But he also told Adam whenever he went into the garden, he said, I want you to be in charge of this whole garden. I want you to take care of it, water it. You know, he was always going to plant seeds and take care of the animals. He brought all of the animals to Adam and said, name all of these animals and then take care of them. And so it was always God's intention for man to work. 
It's just that it wasn't going to be so hard until he sinned. So work is supposed to be a blessing to us, but also so is rest. That's how it was set up from the very beginning. They took this very, very seriously in the Old Testament. And this law has changed for us. And we'll talk about that at the very end. But I just want to read you what it says in Exodus 31, 12 to 17. The Lord said to Moses, you are to speak to the people of Israel and say, above all, you shall keep my Sabbaths. For this is a sign between me and you throughout your generations that you may know that I, the Lord, sanctify you. You shall keep the Sabbath because it is holy for you. Everyone who profanes it shall be put to death. Whoever does any work on it, that soul shall be cut off from among his people. Six days shall work be done, but the seventh day is a Sabbath of solemn rest, holy to the Lord. Whoever does any work on the Sabbath day shall be put to death. Therefore, the people of Israel shall keep the Sabbath, observing the Sabbath throughout their generations as a covenant forever. It is a sign forever between me and the people of Israel that the six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth. And on the seventh day, he rested and was refreshed. And so breaking this law deserved the death penalty. And the reason for that is because God said he had made the Israelites holy to himself. He had set them aside to him. And so he wanted them to set a day aside to him. That really isn't all that much to ask, right? I have set you aside to be my people. And I'm just asking that you set aside one day for me. That's it. That's really not that much to ask. And so we have grace, plus some things changed after Jesus came, and we'll talk about that later. So we don't have the strictness of that, but that was the law at the time. The Israelites were one nation under God that had to follow his laws exactly. And because they were set aside as a nation completely and solely to him, then they had to set aside a day that was just to him. Now, sometimes this is really hard. Sometimes you have a lot of things that you need to get done. Sometimes you have a lot of bills that need to be paid, right? And it's very difficult to say, I'm going to stop working this day. I'm going to set it aside for the Lord. I'm going to set it aside for rest. I'm going to worship. I'm going to get refreshed for the rest of my week. This is hard because we have a lot of things that need to be done and a lot of bills to be paid. And I I understand that completely. God understands that too. But let me read you. We've already talked about this quite a while ago, but I want to read you the situation that the Israelites found themselves in even before the commandments were ever given to them and how God still required this of them and also provided for their needs so that they could take off. So when they had first left Egypt, they were in the wilderness and there was no food there. And so God said, I will send you bread every morning. Every morning when the dew lifts, there will be manna on the ground, which is little wafers, uh, sweet wafers of bread. And they would go out every morning and they would gather this bread And they would take it in their house and bake their food for the day. But they couldn't save any for the next day because God wanted them to depend 
on him to bring it the next day. And he knew there would be some people that would be like, but what if it doesn't come? What if he doesn't bring any? I have to save this. And God said, no, I want you to trust me that I'm going to give you your daily bread. That's where that phrase comes from. If you remember that from the Lord's prayer or the model prayer, give us our daily bread. And so they couldn't save any, any days except for the sixth day. So listen to what God says in Exodus 16, 22 to 30. On the sixth day, they gathered twice as much bread. And when all the leaders of the congregation came and told Moses, he said to them, this is what the Lord had commanded. Tomorrow is a day of solemn rest, a holy Sabbath to the Lord. Bake what you will bake and boil what you will boil and all that is left over lay aside to be kept until the morning. So they laid it aside until the morning as Moses commanded them and it didn't stink and there were no worms in it. And Moses said, eat it today for today is a Sabbath to the Lord. Today you will find it. You will not find it in the field. Six days you will gather, but on the seventh, which is a Sabbath, there will be none. On the seventh day, some of the people went out together and they found none. And the Lord said, how long will you refuse to keep my commandments and my laws? See, the Lord has given you the Sabbath. Therefore, on the sixth day, he gives you enough bread for two days. Remain each of you in his place. Let no one go out of his place on the seventh day. So the people rested on the seventh day. So if they did keep any of the manna until the second day, on all of those first six days, it would get maggots in it and it would get old and it would be gross and they wouldn't be able to eat it anyway. But on the sixth day, there was twice as much bread and then they could save it and it did not get worms in it. No maggots were in this bread the second day, only on this day. And God said, this is because I want you to rest. But notice that God gave them enough on the sixth day to last till the seventh. So their needs were provided for. God gave them everything they needed so they didn't have to work on the Sabbath. They didn't have to go out and gather. They didn't have to go and cook. They did all their gathering and all their cooking on the sixth day so that they could rest on the seventh. And God gave them provision for that. God is not going to ask us to do something that he's not going to enable us to do. And so God would never have said to them, you have to rest on the seventh day. You can't cook any food, but I'm not going to let you keep any of this food until tomorrow. So it's all going to spoil and you're just going to have to go hungry. He wasn't going to allow that to happen. If he asked them not to cook, not to gather, then he was going to make sure that they had enough the day before so that they could cook the day before so that they could rest on the seventh day. You see, the properties of the manna didn't change. If they kept it on these other days, it would spoil. If they kept it on the sixth day, it wouldn't. There was nothing different about this manna. God only gave them more of it on the sixth day. The properties of it were still the same. God was the difference. And it's the same thing for us today. Our physical world may not change. We still have the same needs on the seventh day as we do all the other days. And we may still have all the bills that we had before. So our circumstances may not change, but God can make the difference. 
And if he asks us to do it, he's going to give us a way to make that happen. We'll talk about that further at the end, but I want right now just to talk a little bit about, so what is work? What's considered work? Well, we know that gathering food and cooking it were work. And then in Leviticus 35, 3, and then Numbers 15, it also tells us that gathering sticks and building a fire is work. So these are the things that we know so far. These are things that are work. But on most of these Sabbath days and these feast days, it doesn't just say don't work. Most of the time it'll say do no customary work. Don't do your normal work. Whatever it is that you do every single day, don't do it. And from this story about the manna, we can see that there's a lot of times that we can prepare on the sixth day so that we don't have to work on the seventh. And so anything that you would normally do all week long, that's considered your customary work. And so we wouldn't want to do that on the Sabbath day. And then anything that can be prepared beforehand, if you can cook the day before, everything that you would normally have to do every single day, if it can be done twice to prepare on the day before so that you can rest, then that is something we know we can do. And then we'll just maintain on the Sabbath. We won't have to do all of our normal work because we can just do only what is necessary, only what has to be done. In a previous lesson, we talked about the Pharisees and how they would make really strict laws and add to God's laws, right? We talked about that at the very beginning, how the Pharisees would add to the laws and make them burdensome to the people. They had a whole list of laws for the Sabbath because they were very afraid, which makes sense. Back then, if you're going to get killed for working, you want to make sure that you're not working, right? It was a big deal. And so it's actually understandable why they did this, but they made this day so burdensome to the people. And remember, it wasn't supposed to be a burden. It's supposed to be a blessing. And so... They made this entire list and it's like, this is work and this is work and this is work and this is work. And if you do this, then you're working. And if you do this, then you're working. And it just stressed the people out. One of their rules was like, you couldn't even walk more than like a half a mile on the Sabbath because that was considered work. They had what they called the Sabbath day journey. And so remember, they camped around the tabernacle and their tabernacle is where they would go to worship. Since all of their houses were right there around the worship center, then nobody had to walk more than around a half a mile to get to their place of worship. And so they said, we know you have to go that far on that day, but you don't have to go any further than that. And so any further than that of a walk would be considered work. They also thought that healing on the Sabbath was work. And when Jesus healed people on the Sabbath day, they said, hey, hey, you're working on the Sabbath. You're not supposed to do that. It's like, well, maybe if you're a doctor and that's your customary work, then yeah, maybe you're not supposed to do that. Maybe you should have one day out of the week that you rest from that. But Jesus is like, no, listen, you all have animals and you feed your animals on that day, right? You give them water. It's like, you know, there are things that have to be done and you do that. It is say that your animal falls into a pit. You would get him out. Wouldn't just let him sit there and starve to death until the next day and be hurt. 
And so there are things that have to be done on the Sabbath day. Plus, if you want to talk about this whole medical thing, you perform circumcisions on the Sabbath if the eighth day after their birth happens to fall on the Sabbath day, right? Because you're commanded to circumcise all of your males on the eighth day after their birth. And so if that day falls on the Sabbath, you do that. That's a medical situation. And so why are you getting on to me for healing? He said, no, it's fine to do good things on the Sabbath. All I'm asking you to do is just don't do your customary work, your normal everyday work. But things come up, right? Like your animal falling in a pit. Things come up. You also have to feed your animals. You know, you can't just let your kids go hungry, even though, yes, you can prepare your food ahead of time. You still have to get the plates out for the kids and help them. And you have to take care of kids, which is work, right? So there are things that have to be done on the Sabbath. And God knows that. He said, this day was not meant to be a burden. It was supposed to be a blessing. The Pharisees also accused Jesus's disciples of working when they were on their way somewhere and grabbed some grain and rubbed it between their hands and ate it because they were preparing the grain. And Jesus is like, that's not what I'm talking about. That's not what I'm talking about. He said, David broke the sanctuary rules whenever he was starving and he ate the showbread from the temple. He said, these things happen. Sometimes you're starving to death and you need food and you can do what you need to do. He said, that's not what this was for. Today, some strict Jews won't even turn the lights on on the Sabbath day because they equate that with lighting a fire because they would light the fire for light in addition to cooking. And so they're like, no, we don't even turn the lights on or off on the Sabbath. Whatever they are the day before, that's how they stay because they're that strict about following the Sabbath laws still because they're still bound by those, providing that they don't believe in Jesus and weren't set free from them like we are and we'll talk about again in a minute. So anyway, they had a lot of rules about the Sabbath. And again, understandable since they would be killed, but they missed the point of it. That's the whole thing. They missed the entire point. It was meant to be a blessing, a time to get refreshed, a time to worship your Lord, show him your love for him. And they just were making it a burden. In Leviticus 23.3, it says that this is a holy convocation to the Lord, a time for you to gather with people and worship God together, fellowship with one another, eat meals with each other, things like that. And then in Numbers 28, 9 and 10, it talks about making extra sacrifices on the Sabbath. And so we know that not only is this day a day of rest and worship just by what the name says of how we understand what blessing means. But if it's a holy convocation and they do extra sacrifices, then we know that we're supposed to gather with one another, worship the Lord together and rest on this day. Now, I do want to say that after Jesus died, Instead of meeting together on the seventh day, they met together on resurrection day, which was the first day of the week, actually. And so what does all this mean for us today? 
The disciples quit worshiping on the Sabbath and they now worship on the day after that. And so do all of these rules still apply to us? Sabbath is actually on Saturday and most of us do not worship on Saturday. So are we doing this wrong? And then do we still have to not work at all and gather with other people in our worship and all of that? So we're just going to go through a couple of verses that give us a little bit of explanation. The Bible is clear that God does want believers to gather together and learn and worship and pray and give and build each other up. It says in Hebrews 10, 24 and 25, let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some and all the more as you see the day drawing near. The day that Jesus will come back is what he was talking about there. And so it says, don't neglect to meet together as some people do. You need each other. You need encouragement from one another. God wants us to fellowship and worship together. He wants us to learn together. He wants us to pray together. These are things that are better together, right? I mean, yes, we need to pray whenever we're not at church and we're not with other people. Yes, we need to worship whenever we're not at church and with other people. And yes, we need to learn about God when we're not at church and not with other people. But there's something to be said for learning with other people, right? Because other people have different perspectives and they throw out things that you never thought of. And so they help us grow in the Lord. And it's good to meet with other people and learn. It's also good to meet with other people and pray. God says, whenever two or more are gathered in my name, we talked about that verse last week when we talked about his name, he is there. And so he wants us to pray together. He wants us to worship together. Can you imagine how wonderful it is if you're God and and you look and you see all these people at once worshiping you, adoring you, praising you? That's what he wants, right? It's great to do it individually, but when you do it corporately, there's something about that, right? And then that's when we get together to give, how the people gave their offerings. We give our offerings to the Lord on that day. And then we need to build each other up. We need to encourage one another. And if we don't meet together, we can't do that. So God does want us to meet together and learn and worship. But the New Testament says that we have now entered a new rest in Jesus. And so we're not bound by the rituals of cleansing and the sacrifices and the feasts and the Sabbaths like the Israelites were. All of these things were a preview for Jesus. We talk about that all the time, that the Old Testament is pointing to the new. These rituals and all of these practices that God is giving them, all of the laws, all of the things that they are supposed to do, they're all pointing to the heart, to Jesus, to eternity. They're just a visual of the things that God is going to give them later so that they can understand them. Colossians 2, 9 through 17 says, For in him the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily, and you have been filled in him who is the head of all rule and authority. In him also you were circumcised with a circumcision made without hands by putting off the body of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ, having been buried with him in baptism, 
in which you were also raised with him through the faith and the powerful working of God who raised him from the dead. You who were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made alive together with him, having forgiven us of all of our trespasses by canceling the record of our debts that stood against us and its legal demands. So legal demands, the laws. This he set aside, nailing it to the cross. He disarmed the rulers and authorities and put them to open shame by triumphing over them all. Therefore, let no one pass judgment on you in question of food and drink or with regard to a festival or a new moon or a Sabbath. These were shadows of the things to come, but the substance belongs to Christ. So all of these things were just a foreshadowing. Our circumcision is now of the heart. God says to cut away the covering of our hearts so that we can let Jesus in. Our baptism is now in the Holy Spirit. We're now immersed, overwhelmed, overflowed by the Holy Spirit. That is our baptism, our cleansing and our sacrifice, along with our joy and our rest, all found in Christ our Savior. The law is no longer a burden to us because he has canceled the record of our debt. All of those sins that we did wrong and say, oh, she did this and this and this. He took all of that and he nailed it to the cross. It's as if he wrote them all down, all of our debts said, this is all the stuff she owes me for. And then he took it and he nailed it to the cross and it died with him. All of our sins are dead and buried. And we rose again to be a new person all because of Jesus. And so we're not bound by this law. He says, you cannot let people judge you now by breaking these feasts or breaking these Sabbaths or any of the rest of these rituals. And so we aren't bound by these things. We do not have to keep the Sabbath. We do not deserve the death penalty anymore for not keeping the Sabbath. So does that mean we don't have to do it anymore? We just work 24-7 or we can work whatever days we want? Well, listen to what it says in Mark 2.27. This is Jesus speaking and he says, The Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. So he said, you didn't fit into this hole. I made this for you. I created the Sabbath for you. Again, it's supposed to be a blessing for you. So no, it's not going to be a burden to us anymore. But that doesn't mean that we shouldn't keep it because God wants us to have a day of rest. He wants it to bless us. He doesn't want it to be this burden where we have to, oh, nope, can't do that. That's work. That's work. That's work. How am I going to get anything done? What if I messed up? He doesn't want any of that. That's not the situation he wants to be us to be in. But he said, I do want you to rest because I need you to be refreshed for your week. I know you need this. Listen to what it says in Matthew 23, 4. This is talking about the Pharisees and it says, they tie up heavy burdens, hard to bear, and they lay them on people's shoulders. And so Jesus says, that's not what I'm doing. I'm not trying to tie up heavy burdens and lay them on your shoulders so that you feel the weight of having to take off on this day. That's not what I wanted. I don't want it to be that. I want it to be a blessing. I want you not to have to take off, but you just say, I can it's a great blessing that I have 
permission this day to stop working. Just take a little bit of rest and get refreshed for the rest of the week. So for all these reasons, I believe that we are supposed to set aside one day to rest and to worship the Lord. So does it have to be Sunday? Actually, Sunday is the resurrection day that the disciples decided on. The Sabbath is actually on Saturday. So are we breaking the rules because we worship and rest on Sunday now? And does it have to be Sunday? Personally, I think that church happens on Sundays. So if we're going to worship God, then this is the day to worship him. This is the day that we need to set aside for him. But I also know that there are people that have to do their customary work on Sunday because certain things have to be 24-7 working. If you work in a nursing home, you work in an ER, those types of things, you're going to need to work on Sunday. So obviously it would be a burden <laughs> if no one worked on, on Sunday, if that was their job in the way that our society is structured right now. And so what I think is that God just says, I want you to set aside a day of rest to me. So if he says that we need to rest and refresh and get ready for the rest of our week to start a new week, then I think we need to do that. Does it have to be on Saturday? Does it have to be on Sunday? No. Now, church does pose a little bit of a problem, although we do have so many growing things nowadays where they have services all other days of the week. And so if you can worship God on another day corporately, then that's something that we can do. But I do believe that God wants us to set aside one day to worship and to rest and refresh for the rest of the week. Now, I do, as I said earlier, know that that's hard. There are times when we have so many things to do. There's just no way. How could I take a seventh of my time <laughs> off? when there's so much that needs to be done, or I have so many bills, I can't stop. I, I need to work every single minute that I can because I have to pay these bills. I understand that. And I think that there are seasons that are harder than others for sure. But I want you to listen to what it says in Exodus 34, 21. Six days you shall work, but on the seventh day you shall rest. In plowing time and in harvest, you shall rest. So God says, even in the busy times, even in the times where you need to get that harvest in, rest. And so I would say he's telling them in all seasons, rest one day out of the whole week. And I think that he says the same thing to us today. I think that he knows that we need the rest. And so no matter what season you're in, I think God wants you to take a day out of the week to rest. You know, sometimes when we work, work, work all the time, our bodies give out. Sometimes we get sick. That's kind of our body saying, I told you I needed a rest. You know, sometimes our brains just won't work. 
I don't know if I'm the only person, but sometimes when I'm sitting here, I'm trying to write or I'm trying to study. I'm trying to think of what I'm going to say to y'all, how I'm going to write it down, all of those things. I just can't think anymore. I need to get this done. I know that I have to teach this lesson and I've got to get it finished by a certain time because I'm about to have to teach it, but I can't think sometimes. And it's because my brain is just done and I need a rest. My, my brain gets tired. And so we can push ourselves only to a certain point and then we'll break, you know, we're going to need it. And so just set that amount of time aside and just rest. God knew we needed it and he gives you permission. He says, do it. And then just like it was with the Israelites, when he said, I know you need this and I'm asking you to do it. He provided a way. Remember, he gave them twice the provision on the sixth day so that they could rest on the seventh. And so we got to trust God. We got to trust that if he tells us to rest, that it's for our own good and that he's going to make it work out. He's going to help us have the ability to pay our bills and to get all the things done that are absolutely essential, still resting on that seventh day. I think just like the Israelites back then, how they needed to trust that he was going to bring that food that next day, right? They couldn't keep it until the next day. They had to trust he's going to bring it. I think we have to trust that if we do what God said, he's going to give us enough. He's going to bring us enough later and we're going to be okay. We have to trust that God's going to take care of us. He's going to give us at least what we need if we're obeying him. And he knows we need it. So I'd love to hear what y'all think about this, how this pertains to us today. If you agree with these things, how you think that we should handle the Sabbath now, the day and the way and all of the things that I've said. I'd love to hear what you have to think, agree with it or disagree with it. So comment wherever you're listening or email me. My email address is found at livethroughjesus.com. And then next week, we will talk about the fifth commandment, honor your father and mother. So make sure you subscribe so you don't miss that episode. Leave me a five-star review, helps spread the word and join me on all my social media. I post throughout the week, usually verses that have to do with this. And then look at the blog post. I'll have a blog post about this normally. The website's just the central hub. So you can go there throughout the week and find everything that you need. And then I'll see y'all back next week. Thanks and have a good day. Mm -hmm.